teams sit right on the baseline. The big fella from New Zealand. When we cut him off baseline, he started walking in there. from the USA. We have Chase Hughes, uh, Wizards beat writer for NBCS Washington. Chase, how are you going today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. I've done a lot of, uh, you know, international interviews, inter- international uh, um, uh, just press, I guess, you know, with the Wizards having a lot of international players, but I can't say I've ever done one with New Zealand. So this is a pleasure. Hey, that's awesome, man. I think I think that's when I reach out to people, it's usually a um yeah good little wrinkle it, it makes it easier to get people along when you have this new zealand focus um and as i always say um down here you know there's a lot of lakers and nets coverage and that sort of stuff but we don't some of the other teams like the wizards and i had we talked about grizzlies yesterday don't always get that love so it's cool to to give our our wizards fans in new zealand there are some of them um good for them to get some some love so we're just going to rip right in here um okay the, the Wizards have seen, I think, over the last few years, they've um, sort of went into a mini, I call it like a retool. Um, I'd say it's probably been like a retool the last couple of years. Where do you feel the team is at in its life cycle at the moment? And what's the temperature of the fan base? Like, what's the feel around the, the team as it stands right now? You know, I think they're back in another uh, transitional phase, which is kind of where they found themselves um, each of the past few years. Uh, ever since John Wall uh, started suffering injuries, and of course he ruptured his Achilles, they kind of started this retool phase, and then they ended up, of course, um, acquiring Russell Westbrook, and then they traded him away, and it seems like they're kind of back into a retooling phase. Um, the the temperature of the fan base, um, you know, the, the approval rating of the plan that they're employing right now is, I, I would say, is really, really high. Uh, a lot of fans, I think, are excited about the direction that they're heading into, and I understand it in one sense because, um, you know, the Wizards got out from under the Supermax contract that John Wall had and then Russell Westbrook had, and that was very difficult to do. But I do think that they found themselves back in a spot where, yes, they have more flexibility. They have more options. They finally have the prospect of some cap room potentially. Um, but I don't think they're a better team than they were. So it's kind of all about like the options and the tools that they have now, the front office. But to me, I think it all depends on what they're what they do with them. But I think fans appreciate them just getting to this step. Yeah, yeah, agreed. And and I think that there's a lot of teams, front offices that don't exactly know where their team is, and they're like, you know, we've been good for a year, and we're going to go all of a sudden and spend all that, all our cap and use our resources. Whereas it it was obviously tough to get off wall, and it was like a tiered step that they got Westbrook, and then then from there they were able to make that trade. Um, pro, I think. There's a lot of Westbrook fans down here in New Zealand because we have a lot of Oklahoma City Thunder fans. Talk a little bit in depth Stephen on Adams. The, yeah, and because obviously because of Stephen Adams. Steve, <laughs> so people now follow Steve on whatever team he was on, and then they still follow the Thunder, which I actually think is kind of cool. I um, mean, yeah. Westbrook is a very yeah very popular player down here. Touch a bit on on the trade, the Westbrook trade with him going out and the pieces that came back. And, and what that sort of means, yeah, for that for that flexibility moving forward for the team. Well, it was a fascinating trade because it all goes back to John Wall and the original uh, decision to trade him. So it's very complex. And then, of course, they traded the, the draft pick that they got again to the Indiana Pacers and, and picked up Aaron Holiday. But 
That trade itself, I think in hindsight, it's become pretty clear that the Wizards did not set out this offseason wanting to trade Russell Westbrook. Uh, you know, their owner, Ted Leonsis, did an interview. He also owns the hockey team here. And he drew a comparison between Alex Ovechkin, who's the star NHL player in Washington, with Russell Westbrook. And he made it pretty clear that he didn't want to trade Russell Westbrook. So this yeah. opportunity came up where he could go play in his hometown uh, for the Lakers, potentially win a ring while he's still in his prime. And it was an opportunity that they wanted to allow him to have. And I think they they saw it as a special chance for him to go play in L.A. Um, so I think all of it needs to be all of that needs to be considered that this is not really the path that the Wizards chose. Um, but I think they made a pretty good situation for themselves. They made their roster a lot deeper. Uh, they instead of having one player making 43, 44 million on a Supermax contract, uh, they got a bunch of guys who were worthy of playoff rotations. You know, Kentavious Caldwell-Pope is a really good three-point shooter and defender. Kyle Kuzma is still young and, and was a, a good defender and a good scorer in L.A. Um, and then Montrez Harrell, I've always been a fan of his because he's a, a high-motor guy who grabs a lot of rebounds and, and scores efficiently. Um, and then, they were, like I said, they were able to turn that into a, a backup point guard in Aaron Holiday and also a second-round pick in Isaiah Todd. So they basically chose a different path, um, whether it was their choice or not. They've kind of run with this um, this strategy where you have a top-heavy roster, where you have a lot of money invested in your backcourt. Uh, they spent the second most money on their guards last year of any team. The Brooklyn Nets are the only team that, that spent more. Um, so now instead of putting all their money into two players, they're trying to spread it around and make yep. a, for a deeper roster and potentially a better defensive roster. So I think what it'll do is it'll raise their floor moving forward. I think they have the depth to withstand injuries. The question will be, what does it do to their ceiling now that you don't have a, a, a true star player like Russell Westbrook in the backcourt next to Bradley Beal? Yeah, yeah. The, Bradley Beal is probably is the first first guy we'll chat about as we break down the roster. Um, I felt I feel that that Bradley Beal probably hasn't had the supporting cast around him since John Wars left to show that. I mean, I he is definitely one of the best shooting guards in the NBA, but I feel like he has all NBA potential in terms of maybe being a, a, a top 15 player in the league, but he hasn't always had maybe the spacing that's, that's been required or, or he's had to, you know, maybe he's been asked to guard better players than he, than he should because he, and then he's still taking 22 shots a night on top of that. Um, what, what do you feel Bill's role? Obviously he's, he's going to be the, he's the best player on the team, but what do you feel his fit will be with the rest of the team moving forward? Um, and, how does he feel about being in, in, in Washington and being the main guy? Well, I think on offense, he could take on an even larger role to a degree. And on defense, I think the idea would be he takes on a lesser role. Um, Bradley Beal, defense is not really his strength. He can be a good defender, but you know he's kind of undersized for his position. It's 6'3". And whenever he's guarding taller players, I mean, he really, really tries, but you know, ultimately, when you put him on Jason Tatum at the end of the game, Jason Tatum's six, seven inches taller. So it's really difficult for Bradley Beal. So I think they're going to have a better defensive structure. You know, if Spencer Dinwiddie comes back after the ACL injury and is the player that he was before, he's a six, five, six, six point guard who's tough and built strong and um, a willing defender. So he can take on some of the tougher uh, guard matchups. And then you're going to be better defensively at the wing, I think, with KCP and Kyle Kuzma. Um, and then you have Daniel Gafford on the back end who made a tremendous difference to, uh, for their defense last year. Now, offensively, you mentioned spacing. I think that's important. 
Last year, Bradley Beal shot the lowest percentage of his career from three. And I think it was because there wasn't much spacing. Davis Bertans was their one true three-point threat. And his percentages dropped, um, partly due to injuries, but also because um, the Wizards just didn't have a lot of shooters to surround him with. So there was a lot of focus from the defense on him. Um, so if there's more space, I think Bradley Beal, um, his efficiency will go up. Uh, maybe his three-point percentage can go up. And maybe you can design an offense similar to what they had um, in Houston with James Harden, where you just surround him with shooters and sort of let him go to work as one of the better isolation players in the league. So I think that's kind of what they envisioned. They tried it two years ago before Russell Westbrook was here, where you just kind of surround Bradley Beal with shooters and, and let him be the primary ball handler. Um, I'm interested to, I'd be interested to hear what they thought of that experience and, and whether they want to apply it similarly this year, just with better talent around him. But I think generally spacing on offense and giving, or I guess asking very little of him on defense would be the ideal role for Bradley Beal. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. I, I actually really like the fit with, with Spencer with Dinwiddie. And I feel that Dinwiddie's a guy who <clears throat> his game obviously is completely different to Westbrook where, um, you know, he's obviously more of a half court player can still play a little bit in transition, but he, he's a, I'd say the decent to, yeah, probably above average defender. I uh, can get to the line, finishes well at the rim for his size as a as a pretty good shooter as well and I think he gives the the wizards different looks that his I wasn't sure the status of his injury but um, when I looked into it researching the pod it seems like the injury wasn't it wasn't a, a, a full tear um, and he will come back to you know I, I think he'll probably come back to what he was like beforehand and quite often with medical technology these days guys can come back the same if not better. Um, yeah, how do you like his fit with the other guys on this team? And um, yeah, how, how will Dinwiddie, how will his role, what will his role be on the team next year? Well, I've always liked Spencer Dinwiddie. I think he's been an easy guy to root for is a second round pick who turned into a really good player, a 20 point score his last healthy year in 2019-20. As far as his fit goes, I think he's going to be the guy that gets to the rim and breaks down the defense and sort of creates open opportunities for the shooters that they have now added to the roster and someone who can get to the line and get the other team in, in the bonus and also um, hopefully lead a really good def defense at the top. Um, the, as far as the fit goes, I think it's going to depend on the lineups they build around him. You know, Spencer Dinwiddie, the one knock on his game, he's not an efficient shooter. His percentages mm. since he entered the league are almost identical to Russell Westbrook in terms of uh, field goal percentage and three-point percentage. So mm. you're going to have to offset that in the lineup. I think ideally he'd beat out there with Bradley Beal and then at least two other guys who can shoot so that you can create some space for him to work and, and try to get into the lane and try to create opportunities for others. Yeah. Um, his last healthy season, he was top 10 in the NBA in drives per game. and He was pretty efficient at the rim once he got there. Um, you know, he got to the line a lot. Uh, he didn't pass a ton when he drove. I think they're going to need him to pass more. Um, but one thing I, I, I worry about a little bit is that if you were just going to go with their best players at each position for the starting lineup, you'd probably have Rui Hachimura at the four, and mm -hmm. you'd probably have Daniel Gafford at the five. And Rui is an improving three-point shooter, but those are two guys that don't really consistently um, provide a threat from three. So if those guys are on the floor with Spencer Dinwiddie and then Bradley Beal, who shot 34% from three last year, like I said, a career low, then you get to a point where your lineup's not really balanced enough with shooters. So I think they may have to um, have more flexibility than they've had in recent years with their starting lineup 
Um, I think Rui Hachimura is probably pretty safe at the four, um, but maybe that opens the door for Thomas Bryant when he comes back from his own ACL injury to start at the five. And maybe that uh, changes how you look at the three spot. You know, maybe you want to roll with a KCP or a Kuzma um, or maybe even a Davis Bertans uh, rather than a Denny Avdia or someone who uh, might also struggle shooting from three, at least at this point in his career. Yeah, yeah, that's that's really great breakdown. Bertans is a guy that that I feel is a is obviously a real knockdown shooter. He got the big he got that big contract, um, but he's he's on a Wizards team that seems to have a couple of other fours. If you know, if you say Avdia and and Hachimura fours as well, um, but Bertans in the right system, I feel that he can he can be you know like a JJ Redick level you know forty plus percent shooter from three on some of the highest volume in the league. Um, it is as you talked about the the lineup problems do make things difficult. But if he was if he was in a lineup where potentially if he was the starter alongside, I feel like his fit isn't too bad next to a guy like Gafford. You know, got, got a rim protector there, and then you've got a you've got a shooter. Um, Bertans probably hasn't. I'd say he probably hasn't reached the expectations that were expected when he signed that deal. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. You know, he he took a lot of heat this past season from fans because. Um, when they were struggling, a lot of people blamed him because he had just signed the contract. Um, I don't think it helped his cause that he showed up to training camp out of shape. Yeah. Um, sort of the excuse that the team used was, oh, well, it was COVID times and, you know, he didn't have access to a gym. Well, every fan was like, you just gave him $80 million. What do you mean? Yeah. You can build a gym, you know, <laughs> you go <laughs> run in a field or shoot on an outdoor court. Yeah. You could, you could, you have the money to do anything you want. Yeah. Um, I think it was just a bad luck year for him. You know, he had a lot of injuries. Nothing was that significant, um, but he just had a lot of injuries. I remember there was one time where he was leaving a game. It was um, he, he had like banged up his knee or his calf or something, and he was leaving the game. They showed him on camera, and, he, and his eyebrows were all stitched up because in like the previous game or two games before that, um, you know, he, his face was bleeding, and they had to stitch oh, it up. Geez. So he just had all these little things yeah. throughout the year. Um, when the team went through COVID-19, the outbreak that they had in January, he got it the worst of anyone. He had to quarantine at a hotel um, and just never really got in shape after that. Yet through all of that, he still shot almost 40% from three. It was like 39.5%. And at the highest volume of anyone on the team. Now, the Wizards were one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the in the league. Yeah. And he was their best three point shooter. So I wonder if it was just a matter of bad luck with injuries, uh, getting off on the wrong foot to start the year and not having uh, very many other shooters in the rotation that would have taken some of the attention away from him. And there's two different ways to look at it. It could be like, Oh, well that's a bad first year out of, for this contract. But I think another way to look at it, maybe more positive is uh, positively is that he went through all those things and he still shot close to 40%. And I think that's a good sign moving forward because not every year everything's going to go perfectly. Yeah. Um, he was able to at least put up those numbers through all that. And I think that could be an encouraging sign moving forward. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, he's definitely a flamethrower. You saw even in, on the Spurs team that you know refused to give guys more than five or six attempts a night that that he was a, a really, a, a true, real elite shooter in the league. So I think that bodes well. For fans moving forward talking about shooters uh i think that uh we already touched on contavious caldwell pope i feel as a guy here who if he's the starting three you know i think he's six 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 five six six so decent size for the three plus wingspan 
good defender and i think that someone after you know being on the on a pistons team for a while and then getting to the lakers where he showed and in the finals two years ago you know showed that he was able to play a big role and um you know alongside stars in a big series in the playoffs and got himself a ring i think he's a guy who's truly established himself in the league and and if you were to say look we need to bring in one role player that can truly complement the other guys we have on the team then i feel that kcp is a guy that that can really help this team uh with his with his two-way ability Absolutely. I think he's a fit uh, on the court and off the court. He's a really good friend of Bradley Beal. You know, during his introductory press conference, he referred to Bradley Beal as his best friend. So wow. uh, we know they'll get along. But yeah, he's a scrappy perimeter defender and he shoots the three at about 40%. And those are two things that the Wizards needed very, very much. Um, you mentioned the different roles uh, that he had throughout his career. And I that's one of the things that stood out to me the most when I first looked at his basketball reference page um, once he was traded here was that in Detroit, he was this top pick. Uh, he had a lot of shots, and he put up points. But then he went to L.A., and he sort of had a similar role to start. But then LeBron showed up, and then Anthony Davis showed up, and he had to adjust, and he started playing about 10 fewer minutes a game. He was taking fewer shots, yet he started shooting more efficiently. And I thought mm -hmm. that was impressive, and I asked him about it in his introductory press conference. You know, how are you so malleable? How are you so able to adjust to different roles? It's not often that you see someone get fewer shots and then the percentages go up. That can generally be a very tough adjustment. And he said it was just about commitment and, and wanting to win. And I think it bodes well for him moving forward. If he does end up playing more minutes here and shooting more, um, then he's got the experience of, of playing in a smaller role and knowing how to get into a rhythm you know, sometimes off the bench, that, that's just not easy to do. You, you rarely see young players in the league be able to do that. It's usually veterans. And it's almost like he sort of cracked a code about the NBA where he can thrive in any role. And he's only 28. So there's some upside there. I think all these guys that the Wizards acquired uh, this offseason still have some upside. They don't have a single player on their roster over 28 right now. Yeah. Um, and, I, you know, the, the prime for a lot of NBA players is 28, 29. You know, you look at KCP, he's 28, maybe he's already in his prime, but maybe someone like Kyle Kuzma, who's only 26, isn't. Uh, Montrez Harrell, I think, is 27. Maybe he's got another gear that he can kick into. So um, KCP, is, is, even though he's 28, he's someone that I think uh, could get better from here on out. Um, and I think that's an interesting element to all the moves that the Wizards made in recent weeks. Yeah, agreed, yeah. And Kuzma's a, a guy you touched on briefly and before. Um, and I feel like he's a he was a bit of a kicking... You know, like a bit of an easy target, and for the Lakers when th things weren't going well, um, you know, got a ten million dollar deal, which I don't think, I don't think a ten million dollar deal was at all uh, an overpay. Um, but again, he is a, I like his game. You know, like he, his, I feel like his defense came on in the last in the last twelve months. But he again, he's a guy who's another four. Um, could you touch a little bit on Kuzma and then talk a bit about yeah, you got the three fours. We'll obviously touch on Hachimura and um, and Avdia soon. But could you see Kuzma maybe playing down to the three? I don't know if he can defend the three. Um, what's his fit like? And, and yeah, touch a little bit on Kuzma. I think Kuzma um, has a lot of upside remaining. You know, he's only 26. He turned 26 last month. And he was almost a 19, 20-point scorer early in his career in L.A. with decent efficiency, you know, before he had to adjust to a smaller role just like KCP. So... He's, I think, anxious to get back to playing a larger offensive role, taking more shots, uh, taking more responsibility late in games. 
And if he can continue to apply the defense that you mentioned he's improved in recent years, um, then maybe he's the type that can go from really good role player to all-star or at least something close to it um, in the next few years. At this point, if I had to guess, if I had to guess their starting lineup, I think he'll be in it. Uh, Maybe he'll be at the three. Maybe him and Rui Hachimura will be the three and four, and they'll be kind of interchangeable. You know, Rui, if he comes back with a more improved three-point shot, um, him and Kuzma could both kind of play three slash four in sort of a positionless uh, type lineup. And then defensively, um, Rui has, has shown some some versatility. You know, Kuzma's pretty tall to switch on to young or to smaller players, um, but maybe they could make it work. I think Kuzma, regardless, would be an upgrade uh, defensively at the three over what the Wizards were trotting out there last year. Um, so that would be interesting to see what they how they kind of feel about that. Um, but at this point, I would guess that he's going to start and, and potentially be um, their third leading scorer, I would say, maybe behind Beal and, and Spencer Dinwiddie. But given Dinwiddie's coming back from the injury um, and given the role that they might need him to play, I wouldn't be surprised if Kuzma ended up being their second leading scorer, given his track record. I think it's great to to, to see that um, they have a lot more depth now at the four and the five. Um you, you've talked about um, obviously Thomas Bryant is there, and and, and also you have Montrez Harrell. Harrell's the next guy we're going to touch on. Um, I feel like he that he could have been a good signing um, for any team last year, bar the Lakers, who it did end up signing him, um, just because the of the the spacing that's required around LeBron. Uh, you know, AD having to play the five in crunch time or in playoff games, but Harrell can he can come in and he can score so efficiently. If you give the guy 12 minutes or 16 minutes, he's going to give you 14 points, 10 rebounds. You know, he's he's a great energy guy, beat off the bench or as a starting five. Because um, he isn't a great defender, sometimes you need to have a defensive four next to him. But I feel that he'll be out to prove that he, you know, that he deserved a big payday at some point. Um, and, and that this year he can have, a, I think, a pretty big year, probably just, just destroying bench units like he did in 2018, 2019, 2020.
Yeah, agreed. I, I think that there's there's similarities between him and Thomas Bryant, and um, they're maybe they're both. I yeah, obviously they are both competing for for similar minutes there. Um, but Bryant was a was a guy who was really growing his game prior to when he got paid, um, and then obviously had that injury. But Daniel Gafford, it seemed to he that he came in last year and um, as a salary dump. But um, what between um, Gafford and Bryant, um, who who can you see getting those minutes there um, at the five? It's obviously great to have competition for minutes. Gafford's another second round; he's a second round pick, a guy that's also looking to get paid. So between Gafford and Bryant, how's that centre rotation going to look? Well, to start the year, Thomas Bryant's not expected to be ready because he does have the ACL injury. Um, but when he does come back, which won't be long after the season begins, um, I think it's going to be Daniel Gafford. Um, you know, I like Thomas Bryant. I, I like him as an offensive player. Um, he's a 40% three-point shooter. And I think once he got hurt last year, there was a huge drop-off. It was one of the biggest reasons why the Wizards struggled so badly um, shooting threes. But also at the end of the day, um, you know, he was in the middle for some really, really bad defensive teams, uh, historically bad defensive teams going back before last season. Um, but also to start the year, they had Thomas Bryant in there and they had a terrible defense and then he got hurt and yeah. they brought in Alex Len who had passed through waivers. You know, he was a guy that no one in the league wanted. They brought him in and between him and Robin Lopez, they helped turn the wizards defense around and turn their season around. And then Daniel Gafford came in and all of a sudden for a pretty extended stretch there, they had one of the best defenses in the NBA. So from start to finish, the start of the year to the end of the year, not that many pieces changed around the center position. The center position changed and they went from having a dreadfully bad defense to one that was so good that, you know, it, it basically carried them into the playoffs. So I think the Wizards need to determine how much at fault was Thomas Bryant for those bad defenses. Um, can they have a pretty good defense if he's on the back end, but he gets more help in front of him? Because at the end of the day, um, you know, he had to shift and, and sort of help play help defense when guards were running full steam ahead, and that's not easy to do. So maybe if there's more ball pressure, um, there's just a, the type of wall on the perimeter that doesn't allow guards to get into the lane very easy. Um, maybe it'll help his cause and maybe you can have a good defense, but certainly they've discovered, I think, the power of even a league average defense and they don't want to go back. And Thomas Bryant, um, he was part of those teams that really, really struggled on that end of the floor. So that would be my big concern. And that would be the reason why I think Daniel Gafford will play more than him this year. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, and I think that the the high energy five man that can rebound, you know, shoot shoot a little bit or even stretch it out if Bryant's continuing to work on his game, the guy kind of guy that gets a lot of um, rebounds and 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 gets to the line but doesn't really protect the rim with that at the level that Gafford does. Um, and you know, Gafford isn't isn't going to lock people down out on the floor, but he's not he has the mobility where he's not going to get killed on that end. You know, Gafford's next guy we'll talk about, but. I feel like it's a tough fit um, if you put Bryant next to Bertans um, and you know that opposition teams are just going to continue to run pick and roll all day. It's going to it's going to be really really tough. So yeah, maybe we're hoping that to see the Wizards are probably hoping to see that maybe their four they they that they their fours continue to develop and maybe that's a better fit with Bryant. But Gafford is a guy uh, I did a little did a little bit of bull stuff last year and Gafford was a guy that I was surprised. When, when the Bulls were having struggles that he didn't get a lot of burn. Um, 
but he came in and um you know like a great fit with Westbrook obviously Westbrook's not there but he, he's still gonna I feel be a, an awesome lob threat can play in transition if that's what the second unit or the starters want to do um and I feel he just has he has that energy around the rim on both ends that he just makes stuff happen and with a second round pick he's a great cheap contract and pretty exciting starting center yeah, it was interesting because uh, Wizards fans knew who Daniel Gafford was because he played really well against them, um, including earlier last season. Uh, he had a big game, and it was really surprising when the Bulls gave up on him. In hindsight, you know, a, a new front office had taken over. Um, they had their favorites on the roster, and he kind of had fallen out of the mix, new coaching staff, all that. Um, but he came over here and immediately made a major impact. I mean, right from the very beginning, Um made a huge difference defensively, uh, rebounding, throwing down lobs, uh, probably the most athletic big man they've had uh, probably since JaVel McGee. Um, you know, the type that you can just throw a ball up and he'll he'll grab it and throw it down for a dunk. Um, you know, Bradley Beal said that he had never played with anyone like that, even going back through his college years. So it was a unique element. And he's only 22, and he'd been signed to a contract uh, by the Bulls where he's only going to make like $5 million the next three years. Um, it's extremely team friendly. Um, he's 22 and has the desire to get better. Um, he's a very smart guy. You know, you can tell in interviews when you ask him, um, what do you want to improve on? Or what, what, what did you not like about the game that you just played? And he, he gives you really extraordinary detail about how he's thinking through the game. And you can tell when he's on the floor that he's um, 100 miles an hour all the time. He's a very high effort guy. So he's got the desire to be better. He's extremely athletic. Um, and he's smart in the way he analyzes the game. Basically, he checks off every box I think that you'd want for a, a young player. And he's going to maximize his potential, whatever that potential is. So I think the Wizards found... Um, a diamond in the rough. It was one of the best moves they've made, honestly, in, in quite a while when you consider what they gave up for him and how he was a castaway for another team. And I think it's pretty exciting uh, just to think about his future because immediately you can throw him into this nucleus of young players, Rui Hachimura, Denny Abdia, you know, Thomas Bryant could be uh, mentioned in there, Corey Kispert, their most recent draft pick. And Gafford's as young as all of, he's younger than some of those guys and presents a lot of upside. So I think long-term, he immediately uh, brightened the outlook of the franchise. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, you you talked on 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 Hachimura a little bit briefly. Um, as a guy, I feel that um, did take some steps last year. His shooting came on a little bit. I just saw him cleaning the glass. He he shot thirty three percent. But I do remember seeing he was starting to take maybe slightly. I, I a few Wizards game I, games I watched that were a few off the dribble, um, and just seemed like his shooting was starting to come on. In FIBA play, I remember they played Japan played New Zealand, I think, two years ago, and obviously it was it was a lower level than the NBA. But his just his touch around the rim, um, his strength, and being able to get to his spots, even though he was raw, uh, I feel like he had massive upside. He's only played two years in the league, um, but it's tough because I feel like so much is expected of second and third year guys, and you know they're like, oh. Fans think, oh, these guys need to be scoring 20 points a game right away. Um, I still feel Hachimura has some really exciting upside for this team. Yeah, he's been impressive so far. You know, it's only two seasons. Both were shortened by COVID and both featured just some bad luck injuries. You know, you got kicked in the groin by a teammate as a rookie and missed months. Oh. 
Um, he had to have a procedure. It was so bad. His second year, he had uh, conjunctivitis in his eyes. He also got COVID. It's like all these little things that have not really even been basketball injuries. He's had to overcome. All the while, uh, he just immediately stepped on an NBA court and was a 13, 14-point scorer consistently. You know, gets you five or six rebounds a game. The efficiency went up his second season, even if the volume didn't. Um, but I think the question is, okay, this is where the baseline is for Rui. How much upside is there left? Because he was um, a guy who played three years in college, came into the league a little bit older than these guys who, you know, the one and Duns who were 19 years old. Now the Wizards banked on him having upside because he didn't start playing basketball till he was 14. The idea was when they drafted him that he was earlier in his basketball life than most guys who were 22 years old. Um, but we'll see because um, certainly if you pick a guy ninth, ninth overall, you want him to come somewhere close to being an all-star. Maybe they don't have to be an all-star to justify that spot. Um, but given the complexion of the Wizards roster and how much they've invested in him, um, you, you want to see some more uh, improvement from him. Now, for him to improve, I think he's got to be more consistent defensively. Last year, at times, he looked like one of their best defenders, certainly their most versatile. Um, but there were uh, there were some games where he was exposed. You know, like in the playoffs, they had to switch him off of Tobias Harris because Tobias Harris was just killing them to start that series yeah. against the Sixers. He's also got to improve his three-point shooting. You know, he got up over 30% last year, um, needs to get that above 35%. And continue to improve uh, shooting off the dribble, um, like you said. And, and I think just um, becoming a more versatile player on both ends. If he can knock down threes, um, then that'll make him even better at getting to the rim, which he's already really good at because of his his speed and his strength. Yeah, you agree. Yeah, that's a great breakdown on him, man. The other four that's next to, to talk on is Denny of Dia. Uh, it seemed like draft Twitter last year was, was really split on him. Um, obviously, you know, it's, you don't want to read too much into that, but it was just interesting to see um, that there were so many different opinions, and some people thinking, you know, that he that there's a chance that he, um, you know, could could be an all star or all NBA player. Certainly, at his size, um, the vision that he has, the things that he's able to do on the basketball court, you know, he's he's a really exciting prospect. But it, but he didn't play a massive role last year. Obviously, there were injuries, and and then the the team was still trying to contend for the playoffs. Um, well, what can we see from him this year, and, and what do you think about his overall game? Well, Denny Avdia, um, you know, you mentioned his vision. I think that's where you really see the upside in his game is when he has the ball in his hands, in particular in transition, um, not necessarily in the half court, although he does have some skills for the half court, but he's just really good on the fast break. Um, he's got great speed, great ball control for his size. Last year, the ball wasn't really in his hands because he played with Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal. I think a lot of fans are interested to see what does it look like if he can become a little bit more of a point forward going into next season. Um, I think that's something Wes Unsell Jr., their new head coach, will will be tasked with figuring out. Um, I think he'd be best in the second unit um, because he would be able to handle the ball more and maybe generate the offense. Um, he's also a pretty good defensive player. Um, I think if he was in the second unit, then that those skills would come to light even more because he wouldn't be guarding um, number one threes. He'd be guarding, uh, you know, threes and fours in the second unit. And maybe he'd be able to stay out of foul trouble, which was a problem for him last year because um, he did a great job of staying vertical. But 
you know, he was learning the NBA officiating and he was learning it the hard way. And he got into foul, foul trouble a lot um, and complained about it quite a bit. And, and, you know, was pretty resilient in trying to learn how to defend without fouling, but we never really got to see that before he got injured. Um, so I think he needs to improve as a shooter. Uh, his shooting percentages going back to the Euro League are pretty low. Um, but if he can improve as a shooter and maybe get the ball in his hands a little bit more, which probably will, will come if he's on the bench rather than the starting unit, um, then I think he can take the next step in his development. Um, and certainly the Wizards are invested in him because, as you mentioned, the ceiling appears to be pretty high. I think he's got all-star potential. Um, but he's, he's a young guy, sort of a raw talent that needs to be developed the right way. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, they're talking about the the bench unit. Uh, Aaron Holiday was was brought in. Um, obviously moved away from his from his brother. Um, six one point guard. His his numbers as I looked, I didn't see a massive amount of him last year for the for the Pacers. But his numbers sort of seem to be up and down in terms of not really great assist numbers. Shot forty percent from three last year, but but previously the numbers weren't that great. But does seem to have some some defensive upside and. And was able to to sort of do some things guarding some people in the games that I saw. Um, will he will he be a guy that can strengthen the the bench defense of the uh, of the Wizards, and will he be their their primary uh, backup point guard? I think he'll be the third backup point guard um, because they have Howell Neto, and Neto was really good last year uh, for the Wizards, and I think Holiday plays a similar style to Howell Neto, and that they're both shorter guards. Uh, they can shoot from three, but mainly you have them out there for their defense because they're they're very gritty, hard-nosed defenders. And Holiday just hasn't been as consistent throughout his career as Howell Neto has. And Howell Neto also is probably going to be playing more point guard this year because they have more depth at the three. You know, last year after Denny Avdia got hurt, they had to start him at the three, including in some playoff games. So if he's back to his natural position, then Aaron Holiday, I think, will play plenty. Um, but I, I think he'll be the third point guard. Um, and they're just going to want him to play good defense, uh, spread the floor a little bit. And I think he's a motivated player coming over, looking for a fresh start after I think he lost his role as the second point guard in Indiana to TJ McConnell. So they've got a motivated player, uh, a guy with first-round pick uh, talent. And a guy that they liked a lot in the pre-draft process when he came out, they hosted him in a pre-draft workout and were uh, very, very impressed, but he just didn't fall in their range in the draft. So now they've kind of taken another flyer on him and they've got a motivated player, a smart guy, a good defender. Um, I think it's a good situation for him, but he's going to have some competition for minutes uh, with Howell Neto essentially playing a similar style and just being more experienced doing that. Yeah. 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 Neto's a, Neto's a guy I've seen a bit more of, um, and he seems to be like uh, pretty strong. He's small, but he can shoot. He can shoot the three all right. Um, plays a bit in transition, and probably plays a bit bigger than his than his size. Um, seemed like he had a career year last year. Um, what, what else do you know about his game? Yeah, fans love Hal Neto because um, he was just consistent, even through injuries. You know, bruised ribs, all these little things that he had to deal with throughout the year. He was never gone long if he did miss time. Um, played whatever role they wanted him to last year. He was probably one of their most consistent players, despite having to play at the one, the two, and the three. Um, just a really, really tough, uh, high-effort player. There were a few games last year where 
the Wizards needed a spark. They needed some momentum, and they got it in him just making the extra effort on a play. You know, I remember they were playing uh, the Denver Nuggets, and he got a steal in transition that really turned the game around. They were down. Um, just things like that um, where, you know, you're looking for uh, – your expectations may not be very high for the shortest guy on the court, um, for a guy who's been a career backup, um, but he exceeded every expectation last year. Um, by having a career year. And I think the Wizards hope that um, they can get similar production out of him this coming year. I didn't think he was going to be back. I, I thought that he was, had priced himself out of town with a career year where he you know, averaged the most points of his career and shot higher percentages. I thought some contender was going to want Howell Neto, uh, but the market didn't play out like it, I expected it to. And the Wizards were able to bring him back. And I think he's going to be um, probably one of their most important reserve players going into next season. Yeah, yeah, that's great. That's great for their guard for their guard rotation. Corey Kispert is a guy I I didn't I saw very little of um, either prior to the draft or during summer league. Can you touch a bit on on him for people that that don't know anything about him? And do you think that he will he'll play you know, minutes in the rotation this year? Yeah, so Corey Kispert, the Wizards drafted fifteenth overall. And he was a guy that going into the draft, uh, when people asked me, all right, who, who do you think would be great for them if he's on the board? I said Corey Kispert would be the ideal fit. I just don't think he's going to be there. I thought he would have been gone at, at 10th or 11th or 12th, somewhere ahead of 15th, because he is widely regarded as the best shooter in the draft. He shot over 40% for his career at Gonzaga over four years. He shot with uh, from three with volume, um, with efficiency. Um, he's a catch and shoot guy. So that projects pretty well for the next level. Cause he's just got to run off screens and, and let it fire. Um, he's got a quick release. His mechanics seem like they're going to be no problem with the next level. And he's a three and the wizards needed three. So they needed three point shooting and they needed small forwards and they needed someone ideally who could help right away. And so Corey Kispert checked off a lot of those boxes. So I think they were very fortunate just to simply have him available at 15, but they've also made a bunch of, moves subsequent moves to their roster that have kind of created a log jam ahead of him so i don't know how much Corey kispert's going to play a role um, in their success as a rookie because there's a lot of depth at his position a lot of veteran depth um, they also have more shooting so they don't necessarily need his shooting as much as they did um, and then also three-point shooting as much as it does apply to the nba level um, you know, guys who shot well in college, you know, generally those are the guys who shoot well at the next level. Um, it's really difficult to find instant success as a three-point shooter. Um, after they drafted him, I looked back in the last 10 drafts, only eight players as rookies shot over 40% with qualifying attempts. Joe Harris, wow. who is a guy that he's been compared to uh, many times over the years. He was also a four-year player in college. Um Corey Kispert actually studies Joe Harris's footwork and they've actually talked to each other. Joe Harris was 26 by the time he became a 40% three point shooter in the NBA. Now he's probably the best three point shooter in the league. At least he's yeah. led the league in three point percentage two out of the last three years. Um, but it took him some time. So it might take Corey Kispert some time. Um, but I think eventually he'll turn into a guy who has, I think he has a chance to be uh one of the best three-point shooters in the NBA, like a Buddy Heald or a Duncan Robinson type guy. Uh, it just may take some time. Yeah, yeah, that's and that's exciting for the team to add him to that to that young core. There's two guys left on the, the roster to run through, uh, Jay Huff and, and Anthony Gill. Um, what 
what do you know about those guys? And and obviously, as we, we work our way through, there's a lot of rotation players that we've already talked about. So obviously, not everyone can play, um, but it, it's exciting to see this team's depth. What what can those two provide maybe in future years when um, when things are a little bit more locked in with the squad? Well, Anthony Gill and Jay Huff both played at UVA, uh, University of Virginia, which is close by to D.C., so I think um, they're fan favorites because of that. There's a lot of alumni in the area, um, but they're very different in terms of the, the generation that they came through. Um, Anthony Gill played uh, at, at Virginia um, you know, seven, eight years ago and went to the EuroLeague and played for a few teams there and then came over last year as a 28 year old rookie in the, in the uh, wow. wizards organization. He was the second oldest rookie um, I believe in wizards bullets franchise history. And the oldest rookie was actually from Australia. I can't, I can't remember his name, but he was, uh, I think he was like a legend in the nineties. Um, <laughs> and so he was the, his second oldest guy. Uh, he was 27, 28 when he, when he debuted um, good three point shooter, good defender. Um, I do wonder where he fits into the mix now. Um, you know, maybe he's probably going to be the last guy on the bench. Um, I don't think he'll get very many minutes. He didn't get very many minutes last year until the end of the season, but now he's adjusted to the NBA. Um, so maybe he can play a factor. They say he's the hardest working guy on the team. Even Russell Westbrook said that, which was a little yeah. surprising because Russell Westbrook's known as one of the hardest working guys in the NBA, but he was able to defer to him and say, no, that's the hardest working guy on the team. Jay Huff, um, we just saw him for the first time in summer league. Um, good defensive player. He's like about seven feet, seven one. Um, I think he was all conference in defense uh, in school. And, and when you play at Virginia um, under Tony Bennett, you know, they won the, the national championship in college basketball a few years ago. Defense is kind of their calling card. They like to slow the game down and, and like it to be low scoring. And they shoot from three. And he was a, the anchor of their defense. So, um, I think he'll probably play for their G League team this year, um, but certainly an, another prospect who long-term might be able to help out the NBA club um, as long as that defense can translate to the next level, which it seemed to, at least in the summer league. Now, he's a big guy. He's got good instincts. He's got long arms. Um, he did a pretty good job of, of protecting the rim. So if he can do that uh, against you know real pros in the NBA, then, then he can certainly carve out a career and maybe here in Washington. Yeah, that's awesome, man. We've um we've broken down every player on the roster now, and 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 I think that the the Wizards, when you when you think about it and talk through it, they've created some real depth this year with some with some trades. They've obviously given themselves more flexibility by by getting off that contract for Westbrook and and also giving Bill better players that I think that I feel like fit with him um, to to go on a playoff run. Um, I really appreciate you you jumping on with me and 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 chatting through the. Um, the Wizards and their team for next year. And um, yeah, I think it's going to be an exciting year for, for Wizards fans. Yeah, let's do it again. Uh, and in the meantime, I'll just, uh, I'll be dreaming about that view you showed me outside of your room. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks heaps, man. I, I really appreciate you um, you jumping on and, and with just 60 something days to go to the season. I know you'll be a busy man, but I hope you have a great day. Yeah, it'll be here quickly. Thanks for having me, man. Awesome. Thank you.